0: I have a very unhealthy relationship with chicken wings. So I did a class where we tried various styles of chicken wings paired with wine. Phenomenal.
1: I'm D'Elia Cologne, and this is The Zest. Citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and Southern charm. The Zest celebrates cuisine and community in the Sunshine State. Today, we'll meet a wine educator whose approach is refreshingly unpretentious. We can all drink to that. Stephanie Love's philosophy on wine is simple. Wine is for everybody. Through her company, Epicurious One, the St. Petersburg resident offers wine education classes, trips and other experiences. Students praise her down-to-earth approach, you'll see what I mean, including Stephanie's wine and comfort food pairings and her descriptions of wine as people with different personalities. In our conversation, Stephanie shares the importance of supporting minority-owned vineyards, suggests wines to enjoy with chicken wings, and offers
0: advice for finding an affordable wine you'll actually like. To me, the Tampa Bay area is like it's ripe for the for the picking, and in terms of people of color coming together who enjoy wine, we're starting to build a community. So it's like new. Yes. So it's it's new and exciting.
1: We're in your home and I just asked you, do you know Desiree Noisette who we had on and is St. Pete's first black winemaker? And you're like, do I know her? And you pull out one of the bottles. So it is a very
0: small world. And I want to come back to that. But how did
1: you get into wine?
0: How did I get into it? Okay. So I started really loving wine when I was a kid. When I was little, Wait a second. Okay. Yes, it's true. <laughs> I fell in love with wine as a as a kid. So y'all be careful. Y'all give me your kids wine. You never know. The next master psalm might be right in your house. You know, you never know. But we used to have wine during the holidays. And I really enjoyed it with the, with the food. But being that I was so young, I had to wait to the next holiday and it got to be like, well, why I got to wait so long, you know? And it wasn't until I was in high school that I begged my grandma, beg her, beg please let me have wine with dinner. Let me have it. And I was taking AP European history. And so I learned over in Europe that they let their kids have wine at the dinner table. It's no big deal. So I'm like, okay, I got some support now. I got a book. I can show her grandma look. And she gave in and allowed me to have, what was it? She had a bottle of Chianti in like the old school Italian basket, right? I had that paired with her pot roast. It was absolutely phenomenal. That did it for me. That memory will be etched in my life forever. That food and wine together can be absolutely explosive. And then so when I got to be an adult after college where I had some money or at least, you know, a little money where I could afford to purchase wine, I started going to tastings and joined an affinity group and then being part of that affinity group. They were like, you're really good at this food and wine pairing thing. You should do something with it. I didn't know what that something was. You know what I mean? I was like, what does that mean? Because I didn't know how do you go about becoming a sommelier? how do you go about becoming a wine professional? And there definitely weren't people who looked like me who was in the industry, so I didn't have mentors. It wasn't until I moved to Atlanta in 2014 and I started working at this wine place called Vino Venue, which is also the home of the Atlanta Wine School. I go there, start working, and they were just astounded by how much I knew about wine but had never taken any formal classes. They were like, so... How did you do this? I was like, oh, I would just spend month. I would pick a region and for like a month or two, I would purchase wine from those regions and I would look up stuff and I would Google and and I would, you know, watch documentaries, whatever I could do to teach myself. It was there that I learned, oh, there is a formal track that you can take to become a professional. There is a formal track you can take to become a sommelier. And I was hooked. And there I learned I love teaching and helping support other people. I think me having to do so much research on my own and learn wine on my own, the good, bad, ugly of food and wine pairings on my own, made me the person I am today where I want to help people and keep them from having to spend the thousands of dollars like I did, or you feeling you're in a silo, you're alone, or that you're not sure if wine is for you because it seems overwhelming, it's intimidating. So that's always at the the forefront of my mind. And I'm like, how can I make it better for somebody else not to have to go through what I went through?
1: I love that story because I (laughs) find wine very intimidating. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) what if I ask a stupid question? She's so smart. So were you completely self-taught or did you eventually take some of those formal classes?
0: Oh, I did. I did. And while I was um, in Atlanta, I got the Wine and Spirits Education Trust level two certification. Then I moved here to St. Pete. And since then, I have um, received level three, which that's really hard. It's intense, but I did it. And now I'm going through the Wine and Spirits Education Trust Educator Training Program. So then not only will I be certified to teach wine enthusiasts, I can then certify people who want to become wine professionals.
1: That is so great. It's like yeah. <laughs> it's like you helped open the door yeah. <laughs> for future generations of Yes. Wine enthusiasts. Tell me about some of the classes you teach because your approach is a little bit more accessible
0: than some of those other kind of stuffy classes we hear about. Right. So my thing is because wine is for everybody and there is no food that cannot be paired with wine. So I said, okay, what's a great way to get people interested in wine? Why don't I put together food and wine classes where I'm pairing wine with foods that people love? I was like, what are people's comfort foods from their culture?
1: You talked about the pot roast. And I'm going to
0: be that I'm going to that's what did it for me. And so then when I came to St. Pete, I was like, I bet if, if it worked for me, it can work for other people. So what are different cultures, comfort foods, you know, and I'm going to pair those with wine. So I've done a Caribbean food and wine class for those who don't know. Rose is absolutely amazing with Caribbean food. <laughs> um, I've done chicken wings. I have a very unhealthy relationship with chicken wings. So I did a class where we tried various styles of chicken wings paired with wine. What's an example? Oh, yes. Okay. So one example is we had this um, chicken wing that had like this um, sweet and spicy thing going on with it, where it was like a honey sriracha. And we paired that with a rosé from South Africa. It was fire. Oh my God. That was absolutely delicious. So that was one example of a pairing. And then we had like your traditional hard fried chicken wing. Pair it with sparkling wine because champagne or sparkling wine, those bubbles, it loves fat. And so you put the two together and it's it's a party going on in your taste buds. (laughs) Mm. That sounds so
1: obvious when you say it, but I've never heard anyone else say that. You're kind of like a disruptor. So what do the more traditional wine enthusiasts make of you?
0: They say they think I'm funny. OK, so they, they were like, oh, you have such a great sense of humor. Um, I love the way you describe wine, because I oftentimes will describe wine like people, because everyone can relate to that. You know, all of us have some type of relationships. We, we relate with one another. So if I use those metaphors, those colloquialisms and tie it to wine, it helps people better understand wine. OK, mm-hmm. can we give an example? Oh yes, oh yes, okay. So uh You want this me to- past Friday, <laughs> this past Friday. This Friday I did a, a South African wine dinner and I had a lot of new people in the class. So I said, okay, I gotta explain to them the five S's because I don't want them to just start gulping this wine down and they miss this awesome opportunity for this wine to speak to them, to introduce itself to them. So in the wine industry, the proper way to taste wine is you go through what's called the five S's, where you see it, you um, you swirl it, then you sniff it, and you sip it and savor, right? But I usually do it a little bit different. I have people see it, then sniff it, right? And they're like, I don't smell anything, right? You don't. Swirl it, then go back and smell it. Then it's like, oh, That's totally different. It opened up. Yep. So now you get the point. You get to experience why we say swirl it. Why, you know, allowing that wine to be exposed to oxygen unlocks the aromas and flavors in it. And so I took them through the five S's. But the way I describe it is like if you're out, say like you out with your girls or for men, if you out with your boys and you see this girl and you just like you look at her and she looks appealing, you know, and then if you get closer to her, you're like, okay, she look good, smell good, start talking to her, right? You get the introduction, see what she's about, then you make a decision, do you want to continue in conversation, want to get to know her better, or you like, well, it was cool meeting her, but now nah, that ain't my pick. So it's like describing it that way, and it makes sense to everybody. <laughs> I really never thought
1: of it that way. And I don't think we'll talk about the savoring because this
0: is a family podcast. (laughs) Well, you could. You could. Because with the savor, I have what I call the sixth S as it relates to one. Support for
1: the Zest podcast comes from Seitenbacher brand natural foods like muesli cereals, oils, oatmeal, energy bars, gluten-free fruit gummies for the kids, organic coffee, and more. Available in supermarkets, health food stores, or online at seitenbacher.com.
0: As you're savoring it, you get to see, does this wine have a short finish or a long finish? Meaning, does the flavor disappear quickly or does it stay with you for a while? And if it stays with you for a while, did you enjoy it where you're like, okay, I want another sip? Or were you like, no, that was god-awful, I want to spit. So I called the 6S, Spit or Sip. (laughs)
1: i love the way you explain this and we were joking because we're in this small room in your home Uh it's got the carpet which is great for acoustics it's got plenty of bottles of wine for inspiration and we were joking before we started recording that you could record a podcast in here right and the way you explain things you really could have a podcast where you talk about a different bottle of wine every week i would listen to that and that's why i'd be like a person (laughs) This one's my (laughs) ex-boyfriend. This one's my (laughs) mother-in-law. How fun would that
0: be? (laughs) That is true. I could... Okay. Okay. You're giving me food for thought on this, really. Because I I love talking about wine. And one way to tell if I really like a wine, I could immediately think of three or four things I would eat with this wine.
1: Oh. Okay. Yeah. Love that. All right. So you also take these fabulous trips you
0: lead trips mm-hmm. which is why it was so hard for us to connect yeah you
1: were you were off <laughs> doing something fabulous yeah. so,
0: so tell me about the trips okay so we call ourselves vines and black There's a group of us, we go on trips where we're very intentional about visiting Black-owned wineries and supporting Black-owned businesses in the food and wine space. Recently, I was with my group and we went to Napa. We visited all Black-owned wineries, starting with Napa. We went up to Livermore, Sonoma County and whatnot. So we kind of went all over Central California visiting Black-owned wineries and supporting some Black-owned restaurants, too. And it was phenomenal because we got to meet the vineyard owners. We got to meet the brand owners and hearing their stories of how they got started, how most of them are still working a full-time job while creating their own wines. We were like, what? (laughs) How do you do this? But this is their passion. This is their love. And it shows through the wines because all the wines were delicious, you know? So that was an amazing trip. And I was like, we have to support our own. Unfortunately, less than 1% of all vineyards in the U.S. are Black-owned. So if we don't support them, it's going to go down to zero. Whereas I would love to see that number grow exponentially. But in order for that growth to take place, they got to get the support and love that they need.
1: I never really thought about going to Napa and doing an entire black owned <laughs> circuit. Blacked out. <laughs> That's very cool. Yeah. And I know you also support um, businesses owned by
0: women and veterans. Oh, yes. Are, oh the, yes. are you a veteran? I am not, but I have great friends who are veterans. Um, Other business owners that I know, even some of my students are veterans. I also support members of the LGBTQ community, too, you know, um, be an ally for them. And besides, some of them are making some great wine. <laughs> oh, well, 100%. No. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so those are the
1: trips, which I will be waiting for an invite for the next one. Well, but in, right, the meantime, right <laughs> in the meantime, let's bring it back closer to home. Mm-hmm. If someone wanted to have a wine tasting party or a food and wine pairing in their
0: home, what are some tips for that? Oh, some great tips for that would be start with your food. What's your what's your menu going to be?
1: Say it's then, thanks, Thanksgiving. So, is so it's coming Thanksgiving.
0: Up. So we got Thanksgiving coming up. and You already know it's going to be on our table. Turkey, dressing, mac and cheese, sweet potato pie, all of that. So with the holidays, you got to have something celebratory. So you need some bubbles. And you don't have to spend a lot of money on a sparkling wine. And um, sparkling wine loves fatty, rich foods anyway. So whatever sparkling wine you get is going to be phenomenal with the entree all the way to, to dessert. Then you may want to get, you know, like a oaky Chardonnay to go well with that creamy mac and cheese. You know, then in terms of a red uh, Pinot Noir is a good choice or a California blend because it's going to be fruity and, you know, have nice fruit characteristics to it and be smooth. So like for some of your family members who don't like dry wines per se, but they may enjoy this California blend. I love that. Yeah. And everything you described would be on my Thanksgiving. Next- <laughs> <laughs> And we can steal rose, because I mean in Florida we don't have winter anyway, so you can drink rose year round and rose is so food friendly. Yeah. Rose all day? See, rose all day. Rose is bae. <laughs>
1: Ooh, that's another t shirt. <laughs> You said you don't have to spend a lot.
0: (laughs) You do not. But I
1: think that can mean different things to different people. So are we talking about two books? Chuck, where do you recommend we shop for more affordable (laughs) wines? Okay.
0: So you have your local wine shops. You can find value price wines, of course, at Total Wine at um, ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. You could say that I'm never going to spend more than $20 on a bottle of wine and find some flipping amazing wines in that price range. And the best, I would say, countries that have really, really good wine at value price are going to be South America. So we're talking Chile, we're talking Argentina, Portugal, California still makes some really good wines that you can get for less than $30 a bottle.
1: What are your thoughts on Florida wines? Like key lime and
0: mango? Does so it, let me tell you. Okay. So she's I have got a, some thoughts. I got a story about this. Okay. So I went to a wine conference. They had a session on Florida wines. And so I had never had Florida wine. So I had all kind of thoughts. Okay. All kind of judgments. I was like, it's probably going to be a bunch of muscadine and it's going to be terrible, but I'm going to go. And I'm so glad that I went. Because let me tell you, I tried some really tasty wines that were made with kiwi and mango and star fruit and they were delicious. I would put them next to your Sauvignon Blancs or Pinot Grigios and was you would you would really enjoy them. But also what I liked is that it gave me the flavors of Florida. Cause those wines had like those rich tropical fruit flavors. They were just like shining through. So I was like, even if you didn't enjoy these wines by themselves, they would make some flipping amazing cocktails. I'm telling you. What would you, <laughs> yeah. what would you
1: eat with a, a mango or a key lime wine?
0: Key lime pie, <laughs> and I would do, and and with um one that's mango flavored, I would do that, like with a coconut, shrimp, seafood, for sure. Ooh, so if mango wine were a person, um, what kind of person would they be? Party. The one that come, when they come in the door, the party just livens up, <laughs> you know? That's mango wine. Like, all right, y'all ready now? I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> Let's get this party started. This, the flavor flavor of the the wine. Slave, the, I'm telling you. <laughs> the I'm telling man. you. The hype person, the person that get the party started. <laughs> I think
1: that person might also be you.
0: But talk to me about the importance of trusting our own
1: palates. You touched on it a little bit, but there have been times when I've sipped a wine and thought, Bleh.
0: Yeah. Is that okay? Or That's, am, no, am I wrong? Okay. No, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And this is where we as wine professionals have to do a better job um, and that a good wine is the wine that you like. Okay, everybody has a different definition of palate pleasure. So that's the business I'm in helping you find your palate pleasure and share with you different wines from around the world not so you just have this information in your rolodex just to spout out and just say oh i know these, these 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 wines but so that they're part of your repertoire of wines that you enjoy you know what i'm saying and so with that with that being said there are some of us who naturally prefer sweeter things okay, then I should introduce you to wines that are going to satisfy that part of your palate. Then there are people like me who are on the other end of the spectrum where we we big or go home. You know what I mean? Like wines and flavors that are big and, and bold and we love hot and spicy stuff. So that's okay. Giving you wine knowledge is to help you enjoy the food and wine pairings that you have in your life, you know, and not be dictated to what you should like. And um, I'm still, as a wine professional, struggling how to break that down. And I guess, like you said, be a disruptor. How do I break that down where people don't feel like I have to like this type of wine or I have to like that kind of wine? And if I don't like it, then that means that something's wrong with me. No. And I'm like, You know, we don't do that with food. Like if you give somebody a food or a restaurant recommendation, they're going to go off of what they think and how they feel about it. And they'll try it or not try it and report back. And there's no hard feelings about it. So I'm like, well, why is it that if we do the same thing or try to do the same thing with wine, people feel some type of way that if they didn't like the recommendation or they didn't like what they were told is a good wine, that something's wrong with them. Well said. We gotta stop shooting ourselves. Yeah, we do. We gotta gotta stop doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have learned something today. And I feel
1: a little bit more free. It's okay to like something or not. It's okay to eat chicken wings and mac and cheese.
0: Absolutely. Love it. Love it. This is the permission
1: we needed. So is there anything else you would like us to know about wine?
0: Wine truly is for every person. The product at the end does not care. It is here for your enjoyment. And it is something that brings people together like nobody's business. You know, it truly is a unifier in that you can bring people from different backgrounds, different walks of life together over a bottle of wine and some great food.
1: Well, you are just so much fun. (laughs) Stephanie Love, the disruptor. The
0: disruptor.
1: Keep doing what you do. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for your time. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This has been
0: wonderful.
1: That was Stephanie Love of Epicurious One. If you're interested in her food and wine classes or events, just head to her website. You'll find the link on our website, thezestpodcast.com. I'm Dalia Colon. I produce The Zest with Andrew Lucas. We get help from Chandler Balcom, Hannah Abdel-Majid, John Vargas, and Mark Hayes. The Zest is a production of WUSF Public Media, copyright 2022.